0: Welcome to another edition of Gold Vizan. Today we're going to be previewing Iran's upcoming match versus Guam. That will be happening on September 3rd. we will be Iran's second World Cup qualifying match. We're going to be joined by Sinai Sami and Bobby Goldries, our two regular panelists, and a special guest, Scott McIntyre, who we had the pleasure of speaking to during the Asian Cup. Football journalist and broadcaster with 10 years of Asian experience. Hope you guys enjoy it. <laughs> Joined by Bobak Nice Sinai Sarmian, and Scott McIntyre, how are you guys doing? Good.
1: good, good. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Basha. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, pleasure, guys. So as we know, Guam is top of Group D with six points, with back-to-back wins over Turkmenistan and in India, and obviously five points above Iran currently. Before we discuss about Iran's match versus Guam, I want to first go back to Iran's first match versus Turkmenistan. As we saw, Khorshed's lineup was very uh, technically very naive. And my first question to you, starting off with you, Sina, what should we, what should we change and what should we be improving on against Guam?
2: Um, I think the game against Turkmenistan, we started well and everything looked... Yes, yeah, certainly the game against uh, Turkmenistan, I thought we started well. We scored an early goal. Um, things looked right. But uh, our mistake was not to double our lead and he uh, came back to haunt us. We had a few uh, problems on the left-hand side of our defence. Um, because Ersan Ahoy Safi was playing there, although he has played a left-back during his career, but he's not a recognised fallback, in my opinion, certainly. And he cost us the game. And uh, I think second half, we were really frustrated. So what we can't afford to do in this game against Guam, regardless of the tactics and who plays and who doesn't, the Guam team will come to Tehran to, you know, in the hope of getting something. So they will look to frustrate us. But one thing we shouldn't do is panic or get frustrated because we will get chances to score. Um, this is a game that um, not only we should, but we expect ourselves to to get the three points. So as I said, regardless of who starts or what tactics are, mentally we have to be ready to, to play a tough game because there are no easy games, as, as we saw in the last game against Turkmenistan as well. And Guam will be very motivated in this game, and that's another thing, to make sure that we want to win, we want to get something out of the game more than they do.
0: While
1: back. Yeah, I agree with Sina. Uh, tactically, let's say the first 20-25 minutes of that game was some of the best attacking football I'd seen from Iran in a while. Uh, and I thought we would going to build on it. But uh, we really fell apart, especially on uh, in the defensive side of the game. Centre-backs weren't clicking. Left-back Hosh Safi wasn't in good shape that day. But um, look, looking back, getting that result against Turkmenistan uh, over there may not have been the worst thing because... Uh, it's a wake-up call for Kirush, number one. We won't underestimate our opponents coming forward. Guam has had two impressive wins already, which means we definitely shouldn't underestimate them. And with all due respect to both Guam and India, I, if I was going to draw away in one of our games, I would have been more comfortable in Turkmenistan than the others. So overall, well, I'm expecting to see a better game. But as Sina said, we have to, we have to be patient and uh, we shouldn't get frustrated if we don't score an early goal. I just hope that we have the right tempo to be able to cause Guam problems.
0: What did you make out of that match, Scott? Uh,
1: I thought
3: uh, it, it was an interesting prism to look at it through because you know, Turkmenistan had come uh, to Guam and uh, in many ways, I think, disrespected Guam because they arrived at 5 o'clock uh, on the morning of the match. And uh, they arrived with, I believe, 14 players, including only one goalkeeper. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard if you put the two matches side by side because I thought Turkmenistan were good uh, against Iran. And obviously some players that uh, didn't travel to Guam, that I think have stayed in Turkmenistan. So, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 in many ways it's hard to get a real measure on, you know, on how strong the, the opponent was. But certainly everybody... Uh, you know, uh, I think in Guam and around Asia was expecting that a run still should be good enough to take uh, maximum points against Turkmenistan. So was put a little bit of pressure on them heading into these games now, particularly having the buy, which is an artificial, uh, you know, conflation of the table. I mean, the, if if you were to drop points, for example, in in either of these games, you know, it, uh, and you've reached the halfway stage uh, of qualification, it could be a hard thing to turn around.
0: Right. You know, my next question to you guys is that now looking at the 23-man list put out by Kairosh, you know, we see no Haj Safi. I mean, excuse me, no Shojai, Sharifi, Gucci, and Sarifad. What are your thoughts on the 23-man list? You know.
2: Well, just quick, quickly going back to the last point, Scott made a very good point in in terms of respect, and I mm-hmm. think that's something we should definitely give to this Guam side. I mean, around 10-15 years ago, we played against Guam. And we scored, I think, was it 19 goals or something? That, will, that won't that will happen again if we won't even get close to And I think it's something <laughs> that we should recognise, that there are no small teams on the continent anymore and we should be respecting every single team. But uh, in terms of your question that you just asked, I think it was surprising. Um, well, I mean, of course, Mouchan Najad was injured last week during uh, a game for Charlton Athletic in Championship. Uh, he's he'll, he'll be out for a few weeks. Uh, Shojay has been without a club um, since uh, June or July, um, so he's had no training, no games whatsoever, so it makes sense for him for him to to not be included. Solifa has just moved to his new club in Greece, uh, again, I'm not sure if he's match fit or not, but um, one thing I was disappointed in was the fact that we've only taken two strikers, yeah. usually there is a spot for three strikers in, in the 23-man squad in this it, in the teams that Kairos Ke- usually puts out but um, this time we've only got two inside the Raul and Osmoune and Mehdi of of Persepolis I was disappointed not to see Mehdi Sharifin there I thought he's been probably the best striker playing in the um, in the Iranian Domestic League he was one of the top goal scorers last season and uh, overall his play I think deserves um, to be involved in the national team a lot more of course recently he's been linked with a few Austrian clubs Um Rapidou Wien is the latest one. Uh, And I think he will make, eventually, he'll make the move to Europe because I think he he does have what it takes to succeed uh, in Europe. Um, So, yeah, I was disappointed not to see him. Um, I think we may be overloading on wingers uh, in this team. We've got around three or four on each side. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the fact that we've got, uh, we've taken four centre backs, which I don't really see the need for. I think three may be enough, but. yeah, I mean, I was, I am a little disappointed, but uh, I think we have what it takes in this in this squad to uh, to to get six points out of these two games.
0: Bye back.
1: Yeah, uh, I think overall the squad is more or less, I mean, give or take one or two names, more or less the best that we have at the moment. But uh, looking at it again, I agree with Sina. There's a number of wingers over there which. Just, I, I can't see how they will all contribute. And at the same time, there's a number of players with question marks next to their name in terms of match fitness and readiness. Uh, Ashkan Dejaga is one of them. Then you have Said Ezra who ha- hasn't played for Rostov this season yet. He's moved there to Russia, which is a big step but he hasn't played yet for them. You have Aliza Haidi who hasn't started in goal for his club since he's back at Ruben Kazan, and he's our starting goalkeeper. Khosro Haydi is there again. I'm not sure why. Then you have <laughs> Aliza Jahan Bach, He hasn't played for AZ Alkmaar yet. So again, fitness issues. You have Poul Ali Ganji, who, the Chinese, if I'm not mistaken, the Chinese league is on a break currently. Then you have, I had another name here, which is, I believe, Um Salal's Andronik Temurian. And Peshwa Montezeri, who's also in Qatar. So these are players which are key players for us, and they haven't really gotten into the groove this season yet. So I'm curious to see what starting lineup Kar- uh, Carlos Kerosh puts out in the first game. It, we may have one or two surprises like we had against uh, Turkmenistan.
0: Right. Scott, any, uh, any surprising, because I know you, you watch Iran vividly whenever you get a chance. Is there any uh, surprising names on that list that you uh, think will be a threat against Guam?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh,
3: in terms of the the absences, uh, I think it is, uh, as you said, and then it just comes down to you know, the other point you made, really how fit and how conditioned uh, are, are indeed both sides. I mean, you know, obviously it's an issue for Guam, but not all the players are playing regular football uh, on Guam either. And, uh, and as you mentioned, some of the names there are not playing regularly for Iran as well. So, you know... Uh, in some ways, that may you know, end up being an important factor in, in team selection and indeed you know how the
0: game unfolds as well right you know Scott, you've been with the team for a while now, and you're currently with the team in Osaka as they're getting prepared to play against Iran on September third. How is it working with the national team on daily basis, and how has this remarkable experience been for you so far, working with Gary White and you know me, playing with, you know being with Jason Conliff and Aja della Garza.
3: Yeah, well, it's, uh, I mean, AJ uh, hasn't actually arrived in Camp Yet. He arrives uh, tomorrow afternoon over here. But, um, I mean, it's a fantastic story. I was with them, as you know, the last couple of home matches when they played India and Turkmenistan. And uh, you look back, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier 19 0 for the qualifier for the 2002. Uh, World Cup, although there was some issues around that because I believe they played at uh, Tajikistan uh, either two days before or two days after so they played, you know, literally two two matches in three days, um, which was not ideal. But but even the state of football uh, on on the island in Guam at that time was non-existent. There were no pitches. I mean, yesterday we had a there was a joint press conference because the the Japan Football Association has been helping uh, Guam out, uh, and indeed has helped. Uh, since around that time, when when those matches were happening, and and uh, Kozo Tashima is now on the FIFA executive committee, was the first uh, foreign instructor to come to Guam, and, and uh, you know go through the coaching licenses and so on. And he told me yesterday that when he first came, uh, there was only one pitch uh, in the whole island, and that was at a high school, and it, and it wasn't made of grass. So. Oh, wow. You know, now to the point where they have a national uh, training centre. They have, uh, you know, academy programs with with youth players, and they've obviously been very smart as well in uh, tapping in to you know to the expat population and to to players with Guamanian heritage. I mean, if you look at at this squad, there's you know several members. Of, of the group that have played professionally uh, at, uh, at MLS, that we touched on, uh, AJ Delacruz, Brandon McDonald played you know hundred odd games for, mm-hmm. for FC uh, Dallas and, 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 a, and a, United, and a few other clubs around. Ryan Guy uh, played many times for the New England Revolution. Uh, so there's you know there's guys with big uh, regular uh, experience at big clubs, and that helps kind of you know infuse the the whole squad and. and really set an example in terms of training, in terms of preparation, you know uh, everything is, is very professionally done, I mean, you know, I've been for a long time with many clubs and, and national teams working, you know, uh, closely in my role as journalist and uh, you know, in terms of the preparation I can honestly say the, the, the attitude of, of the players here is as good as I've seen it anywhere uh, you know, the facilities uh, are here that the JFA have assisted with are, are, are up there in you know, in, in global standards, I mean, it's a it's a fantastic facility. You know, numerous full size pitches. Even though I look around now, it's almost midnight uh, in Japan. There's still uh, youth uh, teams from, from various Japanese clubs out here training uh, under floodlights. Uh, like every, everything you know, you couldn't ask for a better uh, preparation. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a wonderful story. I mean, I think there's only 160,000. People that uh, live permanently on Guam, and, and you you talk about a potential crowd maybe in a couple of days' time. You know, it's almost half the population of Guam. So, it's, right uh, to, to come from such a small base. So, uh, you know, I, I think you you know you touched on Gary's done a wonderful job, Richard the President uh, of Guam, and they've you know, got a lot of outside help uh, as well. I mean, this is a, also, you know, the, the impact of those other results. For example, stop me if I keep going going.
0: Oh, no, no, uh, please, we love you, too, because we we want us to get educated more about Guam, you know, because we, honestly, I haven't watched him, I don't think either of the guys have also, so it'll be, anything that you think will be unique for the listeners will be um, always a pleasure to listen to. So, I
3: mean, you you talk about the staffing, I mean, a couple of years ago, there was a a coach, and and prior to Gary, uh, those coaches were on loan from the JFA until there was a change in US regulations around 2011 where you had to hire someone with ties to the US and Gary had worked previously in Seattle running the youth academy there so he was brought in but uh, you know I think that may have been one of the first times that the coaching and technical staff was actually paid you know and, and now to the point where you've got a local assistant coaches uh, he's got a Uh, goalkeeping coach, uh, Adrian Creamer, who's very highly regarded, works at Watford uh, in the UK. He's now here working with the team uh, as well. And and as a result, the wins last time the GFA uh, invested for the very first time in getting a sports scientist here. So uh, we have a a guy called Andrew Young from Australia who's very highly regarded, He's worked with the Australian national team for many, many years. And, 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 you know, and and works professionally with all other sports. Uh, He does a Formula One racing. And he he actually, uh, I believe, turned down, Uh, a contract to work with uh, the McLaren uh, F1 team to come and and work with Guam for the remainder of the campaign because he believes uh, so much in it. So you now have a situation where he's brought in GPS units, so the players are are training regularly now with GPS every day. Uh, You know, the data is being downloaded and and the players are, you know, aware that the the training loads are are being carefully tailored to prevent injury. So it's, uh, you know, the, the whole program is really, you know, every... Every camp is developing and becoming, you know, so professional. So I think the days now of, you know, 19 nils and this kind of uh, thing is gone. And and despite the population and and you know the history uh, with Guam, I think it's uh, you know, it's really not beyond the realms that okay, maybe qualification for the World Cup is difficult, but we, we sometimes forget this is also uh, doubling as qualification for the Asian Cup. And you know, I think that's
1: a, a legitimate aim for Guam. Right. Scott, Scott, I have a question. I mean first of all, some of the stuff you just said makes me shake my head a little bit because it 's impressive at one in one hand and at the same time you feel that some of those resources are not at the disposal of Carlos Kairo at the national team, which is a bit of a shame because we have, we're a country which was a traditional powerhouse in Asian football, and now we have a manager who is definitely has an international pedigree but uh, he's got his hands tied a little bit in terms of the help he gets. but my question mm-hmm. is. Did Guam uh, legitimately have some sort of uh, aspirations to finish second in this group before a ball was kicked? Or were these uh, first two games completely changed things and uh, caught even the most optimistic of uh, members of the back, uh, backroom staff uh, by surprise? Uh, no, it, it,
3: it, no, it's not. It wasn't a surprise. I mean, I, I, you know, I was with them as, as I said for, for the first thing. And I remember the build to those games. Uh, when there were team meetings and uh, and you know the coaching staff and the players would get together and say, you know, what are our aims for these two games? Everybody said we will be on top of Group D after the first two games, and that was the aim. You know, whether it was going to be four points or six or three, even that that it took to get you there. That was uh, the the aim, and and really every player. Totally bought into it, and uh, and you know we did a similar exercise here uh, a couple of nights ago. You know, what are what are the aims and the ambitions for these upcoming matches? And, and every single uh, player of the 20-man squad uh, said we will be on top of Group D uh, after these next two matches as well. So the belief, uh, I mean, really the belief in the squad is uh, is, is astonishing. You know, I mean, the the, the players think and, and feel and believe
2: that they can beat Iran.
0: Sina, is there any question you have for Scott?
2: No, I think he's, uh, he's covered everything. It's yeah. just, I'm just waiting for the game. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. And um, listen, we all know what the uh, Iranian football community is like. They'll underestimate each and every opponent. So uh, I have no questions that there will be uh, an element of uh, complacency from the Iranian camp. I just hope um, it's not as big as uh, I hope it is, and uh, we manage to, to win the game.
0: All right, Scott. I have a question for you. Um, you know, because I know that Guam has a really like fluid attacking style of game to them. Um, which players do you think will be a threat against Iran? Um, before we're gonna jump talking about lineups and stuff, and what kind of formation do you does usually Gary White play, as we saw the, the matches against Turkmenistan and Sun in, in India? Yeah,
3: I mean, you obviously saw those those home games where it was a four-two-three-one. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of what he's thinking this time. And I, I don't know. You know, he's obviously uh, a, a very detailed coach, and he's got a lot of scouting reports on Iran. I think he's watched the last the 10, or 15 games, so you know, no doubt he'll have a plan and, uh, in place to uh, to deal with how he expects Iran to play. And you know, we don't know how that will be uh, either. So then, uh, there might be a feeling out period uh, in the game before either side, uh, you know, adjusts and gets into a rhythm. And uh, and you know, uh, the players here. Uh, from an attacking point, uh, there's a lot of threats. I mean, as you know, Jason Cunliffe, who's mm-hmm. uh, the long-serving uh, captain of the national team, uh, an attacking midfield player, record caps, hold record goals for for the national team. Technically, uh, very, very good. I mean, I remember in the the second match uh, in Guam, there were a few technical uh, officers from the Japan. Football Association, they were watching and said this guy's good enough to to come to Japan and play in the in the top division. But but often it's a case with the guys in Guam that nobody's scouting them, nobody uh, is watching them. And uh, you you look at the 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 wide players as well on either side, John Matkin and uh, and Shane Malcolm. Uh, Shane is now playing in Australia, and and they're very exciting players. They're they're pacey players, they're direct. They like to have the ball at their feet, dribble, take. Uh, players on and they're also very good in in one-on-one situations and and you know they've got a good shot on them as well so there's certainly a lot of uh attacking weapons uh in the side and, and defensively uh as well obviously aj de la is one of the right. you know in my opinion the best defenders in in asia and uh and a young guy mason grimes who's come on in in leaps and bounds has been doing a, a great job as well and and the the right fullback alex lee is uh it is really come from nowhere. I mean, he plays the second division the uh, football in the States for, for Richmond Kickers, but he was probably the best player, I think, over the two games, you know, a real uh, attack-minded uh, full-back. Uh, we did a fitness uh, test here the other day with this sport scientist, and, you know, uh, he came out almost on top of that, and, and again, he's technically a very uh, a good player, so... You know, I think people just look at it on the outside now, and they look historically at the results, and uh, you know, perhaps the population pace uh, and indeed, you know, where the players are playing. I mean, a lot of you know could potentially be three or four of the starting eleven don't have a club, you know, for argument's sake. So mm-hmm. you can easily look at that, and, and you know, make the mistake of thinking that uh, you know they're not perhaps where they they should be. But often, as you see with smaller clubs, and certainly with smaller national teams, uh, you know, they're fighting for for something bigger, uh, you know, they're fighting for for the island, uh, you know, that's totally behind them. I mean, you know, the, the other weird thing is because of the relationship with Guam and the U.S., so Guam doesn't have a sports ministry uh, and therefore they get no uh, government funding whatsoever, Not, you know, unlike most football associations uh, around the planet. So it's always been a struggle to, uh, to attract uh, funding, you know, other sports are obviously popular the US on the island as well, but after these results, the, the Guam uh, Visitors uh, Bureau chipped in and I think they gave $300,000 uh, to support the campaign to bring extra staff on and, uh, and and they got some money from the government as well for the, the very first time. So, you know, everybody on the island is really excited. They're building a new, uh, tab, a smaller uh, grandstand of the, the training facility as well. So. Oh, wow you know it's, it's it's all these things if if uh, you you look uh, i don't know if it was broadcast on the coverage that you saw but uh before both games and and they're hoping to get the uh, approval to do it here from the match commissioner they have um I don't know how to describe it properly it's almost like uh, you, you know the new zealand rugby team does this thing called the haka like uh Kind of war dance uh, thing uh, they, they call the Inifresi, which is uh, it's, it's kind of like a chant in the indigenous language uh, of the Chamorro people, and and the players all stand in a circle, and and it's a kind of pledge uh, of allegiance to to the islands uh, of Guam. So it's a really emotional kind of thing, and um, a, a lot of boys have got these uh, traditional tribal tattoos that they have as well that that they've got since they've come together as this team. So if you talk about a group of guys that are fighting for something bigger than themselves, I I think you'd you'd probably go a long way to find uh, a a group that are more
0: committed to it than this one. Appreciate that, that's uh, very interesting. Um coming back to you, um, Bobak and Cena, um before we talk about the lineups and stuff, how do you see Kosh approaching this match against Guam? Is he gonna sit back I and mean, we are obviously playing at home. Is it it's not gonna be wise for us to sit back, especially when we need the three points. Um, and how do you guys think he's gonna approach this game and um, what lineup do you guys think he's gonna and which players do you think he's gonna put in? I'm gonna start this off with Bobak.
1: I definitely think that there's no way we're going to sit back in a game like this, uh, That's, I mean I'm not against that, we definitely should be taking the game to Guam, uh, there are certain games which our style of football doesn't suit, it's about how well we're capable of cutting the teams open and that's that has always been my problem with Iran over the last 10-12 years. We have had trouble cutting teams open and trying to uh, create chances behind the opponents when they sit back. So that's the reason that I think it's going to be a challenging game. And the longer the game goes without us scoring or without us, let's say, looking like scoring, I can see the pressure building. But uh, in terms of style, I think it's going to be a 4-2-3-1 more or less. That's pretty much what Karish does all the time. In terms of uh, strategy, I think we will dominate possession. We will have more chances. The question is, are we going to take them? In terms of lineup, that's a whole
0: different uh, thing. I, it, it's really open to any to mm-hmm. anyone's guess because
1: there's a few players who you're pretty sure are going to start, like Sadar Azmoon, Al- Akhshan if he's fit, uh, potentially Arizajehanbakhsh if he's fit, match fit because he's been called up. Then you have Haifi in goal, you have Hosseini, Montazeri. these are the kind of guys, Ta- Taimoulian obviously, but uh, how the rest of the team fits around them, I mean, it's anyone's guess. Is he going to try a new guy at left back in a game against Guam? Yeah. Is he going to tr- uh, try a new partner for Taimoulian in central midfield? Is Saeed Azatolay going get to get another chance? I mean, a lot of questions because it's a two-game series against Guam and India, and I really don't know what's going on in Keirish's mind because it's been a long time since our last
2: game. Sina? Yeah, I completely agree. I think this is a game that, especially at home, we should be comfortable in terms of possession and taking the game to the opposition. Um, in terms of lineup, uh, I mean, I was looking at the squad before and there is no recognised attacking midfielder. Um, and obviously the only left-back that we have is Milad Mohammadi, so I expect him to start his second cap, I think is his first start for the national team, only twenty one years old, plays for Rohan Um centre back partnership I can't really I can't really decide what he's gonna go with because he's got Montazeri, Hosseini, Purali, Yanji and Kandoni all fit. So he's got options in the you know as centre back. Um but so I don't Players I don't want to see in the lineup are the likes of Khosro Heydari, which I don't really see as uh, you know, as Bobak alluded to before as well. I don't really see why <laughs> he's in the squad in the first place. Um, I think it's going to go with the uh, Andranik, Harsafi, um, and Ibrahimi Who's had a blistering start to mm-hmm. the season. Both of them, Harsafi and Ibrahimi have had a great start to the season. But I expect Harsafi to be a little bit more attacking-minded, with Dejagah on one side and maybe Bahida Amiri on the, on the left wing, with Sader Osman leading the line. But uh, we know what Kerouac is like. Um, he may, I mean, he's definitely got options, especially midfield, so he may change it around. You might see Dejagat playing an attacking midfield role with Alianza Jahan on the right. So he's got options and he can mix it around. But one thing I'm, I'm worried about is, is, as I said before as well, is in terms of panicking and getting frustrated. Mm-hmm. We had a, a game against Qatar uh, in uh, qualification for the 2014 World Cup. At home, and um, the game ended 0-0. It was a game that we had a lot of possession, but uh, we were panicking. We, make, we kept making the wrong decisions. We uh, missed a lot of opportunities because of that. And I don't really want to see that—not uh, just in this game, but in future, in future games either. I think we are a team who, you know, we have the quality, even if we don't have the, if we don't have a clear-cut chance for 80 minutes. We have the quality to, to, to create that one chance in the entire game and, and still be able to to take something out of it, but we need to remain calm and, and keep digging. I'm not saying that will be the case with Guam, I think this is a game that we should win uh, comfortably, especially at home. Um, but again, um, you know, if things don't work out the way we want, we want it to, just like it didn't against Turkmenistan, I don't want to see uh, players getting frustrated or, or making the wrong decisions in order to. To get out the opposition a lot quicker because it just makes it easier for the for the defending team.
0: Scott, is there any uh, key battles we should uh, look out for against looking from the Iran side and Guam? That would be interesting.
3: Yeah, I mean, as you said, you know, this is a game that most people expect uh, Iran to dominate. You certainly will have more of the the possession, and, and you imagine uh, you know most of the, the that possession will come. In arms half, and quite possibly a lot of it in you know, the, the final third for the So, if you if you think it's going to play out that way, then. Uh, and if uh, you know, as you expect, it's a 4-2-3-1, Then a front four uh, for a run against uh, you know, conceivably a uh, back six, seven, or eight, or whatever it's going to be uh, for Guam is you know is the key areas. And uh, and you know, obviously Asadras uh, Moon is a is a big threat in particular. And uh, you know, the, the battle up against uh, AJ Delacruz, you know, one of the rising uh, young forwards in Asian football, up against you know, a guy that's only just recently come onto the scene because of you know his previous experiences with the US national team and so on but, but probably one of the better defenders uh, you know in this group and beyond you know that should be a, a, a real interesting battle I think
0: right and then I'm gonna conclude this with your score predictions um, might be a little bit biased but Cena. Um, oh
2: yeah I'm not really good at predictions um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will go for two nil to Iran hopefully mm. with a clean sheet Bobak I was going to say 2-0 two two as
1: well, but uh, now I'm going to go with 1-0 just to be a little bit different. I think we'll just about edge it. I think it's going to be a very frustrating game for us, and uh, it would be nice if we can score an early goal that will force Guam a little bit out of their shell as well, but uh, I'm curious to see the kind of lineup we're going to put out. I, I fully expect us to be able to progress from this group, and I'm very, very surprised. and kind of Pleased to see Guam making the way that they are, and mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't mind uh, Guam com- coming second to us. They, they seem to approach the game in the right way. They've beaten teams that underestimate them. Let's hope that is, that in itself is, a, let's say, a signal to us,
0: our players, that uh, they shouldn't underestimate Guam because they're definitely a, a much improved team and probably the most improved team in Asia based on their previous results. Yeah, they've been a high strength for. A while now. Um, Scott, what's your score prediction?
3: Yeah, I'm terrible at predictions as well. Um, But I mean, you you know, I think from... uh, Result, and and, you know, you can expect uh, it may be a back-to-the-wall kind of effort. So, you know, I mean, uh, a a nil-nil, I think, would be a fantastic uh, result and certainly one that's achievable.
0: I appreciate you guys coming on, especially you, Scott. I know it's pretty pretty, pretty late, probably midnight now in uh, Osaka. Uh, Bobak, Cena, and Scott, thank you guys uh, once again. And then uh, looking Pleasure. forward to this match. Appreciate it, guys. No worries. I just
1: talk
2: to you. Thank, thank you for show.